0: Well, I've got a brief word for us today, and um, as we're plugging through James, God's speaking to us, He's transforming us, and I want to begin our time together with a a look at a a little contrast. I want to tell you about two men with whom my life intersected as a middle school student, about sixth grade, actually, and I'm not using either of their real names, but one is Tim, and Tim was the associate youth pastor, the assistant to the youth pastor at the church I grew up in. And I'm so thankful for Tim, and whenever I share my testimony with people, I have to tell them that if it weren't for Tim getting involved in my life, I probably wouldn't be walking with Jesus. Because when I was a sixth grader, and as life in my home was falling apart, my dad would end up leaving my mom uh, Summer, uh, or right before the end of seventh grade, but as things were kind of heating up in the house, Tim came alongside my life. And he started to share the love of God with me. And as a sixth grader, I saw in Tim something that I wanted, and that was he seemed to enjoy God. And I remember very vividly sitting on the steps of my house and just Tim explaining to me the grace of God. And as he explained the grace of God, I experienced the grace of God for my own life and I said wow this is God and it was alive to me and it was wonderful it's you know we have that phrase in the Bible the joy of our salvation and I experienced by watching how Tim lived his life the joy of my salvation I'm so thankful that Tim approached me befriended me around the same time actually would have been summer after my sixth grade year a man named Mark also approached me and began to befriend me he was a counselor at the camp that I went to some of you may know it, it's, it's, um, it's a fairly well known camp, at least I would like to think it is, especially where I, where I used to teach high school was well, there were several students who would go there, it was camp Beckett in the Berkshires and Beckett Mass and Martin also began to approach me and befriend me <clears throat> but Martin had other designs on me and um, as a young, as a sixth grader I didn't know how to defend myself I didn't know how to handle kind of the churning feeling in my stomach that I would get when I was around Martin excuse me Mark but Mark would begin to ask me to sit on his lap and he would he would try to find ways to get me alone and to get with me and uh, just have us be physically touching close and again at the time it was I didn't I didn't know any better really and thank God it never got further than that But early on in my life I kind of had this introduction to something because I had two men approach me, two men befriend me, two men want to have relationship with me but both each one had very different plans or designs and so early on I kind of figured out hey people are like icebergs and so let's throw up the picture there of an iceberg the first picture we have and that All that you see, you know, the behavior and the words and the interaction that you have with people, that's what we see, right? That's what we get. But as I learned as a sixth grader, let's throw this other second picture up there. What is underneath the surface is an incredibly complex work of motives and desires and thoughts that we just really don't know all that's going on so I guess my question is for you you know when did you first start to realize that hey people are like icebergs we see on the surface the behaviors and we hear the words but underneath there's a whole lot that's going on underneath when did you first realize that you're an iceberg you know when did you start to examine your own motives for your own behaviors the things that are coming out of your mouth they're fueled by all sorts of different things underneath and as you can see by the picture What's underneath is like 90% of this iceberg. And what we get on top is like 10%. Well, as we're going through James, James has a lot to say about our motives and what fuels us and what's going on underneath. And so I want us to take a look at James 3, verses 13 to 18, because I'm going to suggest that a lot of our motives and a lot of our what drives us can be fueled by two main sources. And these are two sources that James cites. Let's look at James 3 and let's start in verse 13. James 3, starting in verse 13, we'll go to the end of the chapter here. It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such quote-unquote wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. And so it's kind of set it out by the example today. It's kind of like when I think of Tim and his influence in my life and Mark and his influence in my life, I really got two people operating, being fueled by two different sources of wisdom. And you know, the interesting thing about both of them is Tim, when actually when when our lives intersected, as he was working with the youth at our church, he was actually a, he had dropped out from UMass. In other words, as far as the world was concerned, he didn't have certain things of his life together he was not exactly sure where he was going vocationally but what he did have was he had the spirit of God he had the life of God in him and he realized that God had a mandate on his life to multiply that life now by contrast Mark this camp counselor was from the UK he was a brilliant guy he was the one who taught me how to fence you know, he was my fencing instructor college graduate really sharp But as we know by the fruit of his life and how he, how he interacted with me, there was an unspiritual wisdom about him, something very different. And so let's continue. What we want to do is we just want to, you know, I look at a passage like this and I just start to, what happens in my head is I just start to make a table, start to make graphs and charts. That's just how I work. And so the chart I want to draw today for us is, let's look at, here's a contrast between the heavenly wisdom and the earthly wisdom that we see here. The first is, in their manifestations, right? In their manifestations, how is heavenly wisdom different from earthly wisdom? And earthly wisdom we see first in its manifestations. What the scriptures just told us is that bitter envy in the heart and selfish ambition in the heart are the main things that are manifested in earthly wisdom. And then, then comes a boasting or a denying of the truth that accompanies them. And I read this, you know, I, I kind of look at selfish ambition and bitter envy and I think of um, a character, and the only, one of the main reasons I'm reminding of this character is because I am just happen to be listening to uh, The Prodigal God by Tim Keller. You know, just I'm always about five to ten years ahead in reading or getting in whatever's kind of hip on the Christian scene right now so Tim Keller I love and I'm finally listening to the audiobook of prodigal God and in 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 his book prodigal God he is making a difference between two kinds of people he's saying there's two kinds of people in the world and one he illustrates by talking about Salieri and Salieri is the uh, contemporary of Mozart and the guy is a hard worker and a good musician and he is a devout follower of God and then on comes the scene Mozart and Mozart's a womanizer, he's a wild man, but he clearly has a musical genius that, whose origin could not be anything except God. It's just he's brilliant. And so, again, this is not so much true to real life, but according to the play that then got turned into the movie Amadeus, 1984, Salieri kind of becomes so engrossed in the competition with Mozart, so overcome by bitter envy and jealousy, uh, that his, his whole life kind of takes this downward spiral so that at least by the end of the play, we know that he's trying to commit suicide because he's so upset by the fact that Mozart is a musical genius but seems to have no respect for God and here is Salieri who's loved God all his life, doesn't have the same gift. So when I think of earthly wisdom, I think of a Salieri, a guy who hasn't worked out the fact that there's bitter envy and jealousy in his heart, hasn't, doesn't know how to deal with it. When I think of heavenly wisdom and its manifestations, I can come a lot closer to home. I was thinking about someone we could honor here. And I thought about our church administrator, Sarah Booth. And as I went through this list, I said, I'm so glad that in the office and that in our midst and that from the beginning of this church's inception, we've had a woman who walks in increasing ways in the heavenly wisdom. Because Sarah is dedicated to you know there's good fruit from her life she's living a good life she has deeds that are done in humility because of this wisdom right she's not she recognizes that she's not the center of the story God's the center of the story God's the hero of the story and that's what humility is recognizing that God is the hero of her story there's a purity in her speech and in her actions how she deals with people she walks in peace you know there's peace in the office because she's there She's considerate of others. She has a heart of submission. She's, she's always submitting to authority. She's learning how to submit to the authority of God. She's full of mercy, and so there's good fruit coming out of her life all the time. She's impartial. You know, she's willing to help people, whether it's you or me. You know, whether the request comes from me, or the request comes from Sean Richmond, who's our kind of overseer, or whether the request comes from just any one of us in the congregation, she's always thinking, how can I help this person? What resources do, do I have that I can help with? She's impartial. And then sincere, you know, literally it's without hypocrisy. She is sincere. So we've got a great example in our midst. And of course, I could say these kind of things about all of us. We've got a mature, surrendered person in Sarah Booth. I'm so thankful. And in many of you. That's what we want. We want these manifestations of the heavenly wisdom. Well, as we continue kind of making this chart, I think of the scriptures mentioned the origins of these two Types of wisdom. The earthly wisdom, of course, its origin is the earth. It's man. It's soulish. Okay, that's what it means. In NIV, it translates unspiritual. It really means of the soul. And at times, it's even demonic. That's the source of wisdom from, that is earthly. It's from the earth. It's unspiritual. It's from our souls. Or it's from... The, the evil one, the devil. Some of you may be offended by this, but I, the first thing that came to my mind when I thought of earthly wisdom, she had her last show a few months ago, I think, but Oprah, okay? Oprah, I'm not down on Oprah, but I just think of, if there's like earthly wisdom like coming out at us at, in large quantities, I just think of Oprah. Like, let me see if I can try to explain this and back this up. Like, you know, hey, if you're, you know, if you're, uh, you know, you need a break or... You know, I a couple episodes of her show, you know, you, can't, you know, Jesus can't be the only way, you know, that makes sense, you know, Jesus really isn't the only way, it makes a lot of sense, you know, and um, I, I just feel like, you know, Oprah may be representative of all kind of talk show of the U.S., you know, there's just an earthly wisdom, it's soulish, you know, there's some good things there, but it's not quite right, it's not coming from the source who's God and from heaven, you know what I'm saying? A lot of the wisdom we hear, a lot of we hear broadcast on the airwaves. It's soulish. Its origin is not heaven, it's man. And man's wisdom is earthly. Okay, versus the origin, of course, of heavenly wisdom is heaven, heaven itself. And I can't think of a better passage. You know, when I was thinking about this, I thought immediately of Acts 4. And uh, the disciples are getting in trouble because they keep sharing about Jesus and no one can stop them. And the Pharisees, the guys who are trying to prosecute and persecute these guys, they make a comment. They say, hmm, this is Acts 4.13. They say, wow, these guys, I know these followers of Jesus to be ordinary and unschooled men. These guys aren't wise in the world. But what, do they, what does it say? It says, but they took note that they had been with Jesus. If heaven ever came to earth, it was in the person Jesus. So that heavenly wisdom comes from Jesus and we see the disciples having had this heavenly wisdom and of course lastly we have to look at what's the fruit uh, as we're working on a little chart here what's the fruit what is the outcome what are the results of these two kinds of wisdom <clears throat> so this is really funny someone in the back of the church is getting a haircut right now so I'm just I've never had that happen this is like a holy spirit haircut this is amazing it's heavenly wisdom Kristen has been given heavenly wisdom to cut hair you know when they were when they were making the temple or when they were first starting the tabernacle there were certain people given like they they were given wisdom from heaven to design the tabernacle design the temple I feel like Kristen is operating her spiritual gift right now of hair cutting she's got great heavenly wisdom there anyways mark that down as a first haircut during sermon Okay, cool. This is awesome. Thank you, Lord. Okay, anyways. Back to our chart. What is the fruit of earthly wisdom? When earthly wisdom plays itself out, where does it end? Well, like the scripture says, it says that it, its end is disorder and every evil practice. Disorder. And every evil practice and really James is talking as we as we will later continue to chapter four he's talking about it more in the corporate and we've been kind of focusing on the individual right now but really when earthly wisdom is what's applied is what is being the source what is happening is eventually it leads to disorder and every evil practice and even like I shared it you know Mark this man who's who uh didn't deal correctly with me. You know, he was later dismissed from the camp. You know, said, so I don't know how far he went with anyone else, but he would, he was dismissed. And, uh, you know, all sorts of disorder in his life. Versus Tim, you know, let's look, what, what's, what, what's the fruit of heavenly wisdom? It says that it's peacemakers who sow in peace, raise a harvest of righteousness. The result of heavenly wisdom is a harvest of righteousness. And I know Tim is married. He's got, he, he and his wife adopted a few uh, Russian boys I think orphans they, they're in Beaumont Texas and uh, and I, I just know um, t- he actually went back to get his college degree teaches history at high school and I just know because of who Tim is both during my time when you know he was about sixth to tenth grade he was influencing my life but now as a as a teacher but who also did does Sunday school and keeps doing youth stuff there's just tons of people there's a harvest of righteousness after Tim's life because of how we Walks in heavenly wisdom and gives it away and imparts it to others. Heavenly wisdom. He's, there's a harvest of righteousness behind him, and it's wonderful. So, again, I, I said that my remarks would be brief, and they are. And so it brings us to today, which is Pentecost. And when I look at this description of heavenly wisdom versus earthly wisdom, I say, Lord, and just thinking back to the iceberg of my own soul, I say, God, what is underneath the surface in my life? What are the motives? You know, where is selfish ambition and bitterness and envy? Where is that ruling and having sway in my decisions? And where is the purity, the consideration, the submission, the good fruit, the sincerity, the impartiality? Where are those things? And we come to today to Pentecost. We remember, right, that when the disciples had gathered waiting for Jesus, not sure what was going to happen next, the very verses that we read together responsively at the beginning of the service happened. The Spirit of God showed up. And so I come today and I say, God, invade the iceberg of my soul once again. Show me, and I want you to join with me. Lord, show me where am I tapping into heavenly wisdom and to what degree? And on the other hand, to what degree am I tapping into just the earthly wisdom that's soulish and demonic? You know, where does that have rule and reign in my life? And God have mercy on me and change me from the inside out. I'm going to ask the worship team to magically appear behind the curtain. I think that will happen soon. But well, let's just pray that. Can we just pray that? And we're, we're just living a lot of space today for worship and for ministry and for response because I want us to together ask, Holy Spirit, come. Because Heavenly wisdom comes from the heavenly spirit. Heavenly wisdom comes from the holy spirit. Everyone say heavenly wisdom. Heaven wisdom. Comes, from the heavenly comes from the heavenly spirit. Okay, heavenly wisdom comes from the heavenly spirit and he is who we need today. I want to remind us of another scripture. This is in Acts 19. In Acts 19, Paul is showing up again for I forget what number of time but a certain iteration of times he's back to Ephesus. And he comes across some disciples, just some followers of God. And he asks them, hey, have you heard, you know, have have you uh, encountered the Holy Spirit? Actually, let me just read it so I don't um, butcher it. Better to get the real deal. Excuse me one second as I get there. I'm at Acts 19, right near the beginning there. Let's see. Acts 19. There, Paul, this is... uh, halfway through verse 1, there Paul found some disciples in Ephesus and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. And Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men of them in all. Now I want to tell you something. We are after a both and today. When I say a both and, I mean this. I mean we need all the power of God, and we need all the character of God to back it up. My sense with us as a church is that God wants to impart some more of the gifts, and uh, I'll just say gifts, the Holy Spirit, on us. Like the gifts that we see in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, the ones that we preached about at length in the winter in January, February, March 2009. God wants to impart those. He does. And I'm going to ask for people to come up who want to receive Gifts the Holy Spirit like the words of knowledge and words of wisdom, healing, the working of miracles is what it says, the distinguishing of spirits, those lists. God wants to impart that to us. That's no problem for him because as I mentioned last last week, God is delighted to give us the kingdom, it says in the gospel. Jesus said, hey, God is delighted to give you the kingdom. But the issue is with us, and I say with me and God have mercy on me, is do we have the character to back that up? In other words, God wants to release the spirit of God but we need to work on this stuff first you know the iceberg of our souls God wants to impart a work of his spirit in our character also but it's a both and you know I, I get frustrated when there's people kind of put their feet down one way or the other well we need more of the gifts of the spirit yes well we need just it's all the fruit of the spirit and that's it yes 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 it's yes to all we need the fruit of the spirit and we need the gifts So as we enter into our time of ministry and worship, you just ask God, God, will you please let me walk out more of this fruit, the fruit that we just read about, heavenly wisdom fruit? And you ask God, God, will you give me grace to walk in some more of the gifts and the power of God, not for myself, but for the sake of the church and the world. Right? And that's where we get messed up. That's where the church has been messed up. We've been having our little magic shows in church for especially the last few decades, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s. Been a lot of like, let's do magic show in the church. That's not God's heart. God gives the power gifts because he wants those people out there, our friends in Ryleside, our friends in the North Shore, our friends in India, he wants them to experience the power of God. That's why we need it. Amen? Amen. So let's stand up and let's pray. And actually, I'm going to ask, um, let's pray. Let's pray first, and then I'll give us some more direction. Father, we just come to you as a people who have been easily deceived by earthly wisdom, what is soulish and ultimately what is demonic, what is unspiritual. And we just declare our need for you to help us today. We're asking, and I just encourage you, why don't you just put out your hands as a sign of surrender. Lord, we're asking for the Holy Spirit. We need heavenly wisdom. Heavenly wisdom comes from heaven, and we're asking for it. It comes from the heavenly spirit. So we're asking a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Like these disciples in Ephesus who encountered God, and when Paul prayed for them, they prophesied, they spoke in tongues, and they had the power gifts. We have to assume that they also began walking in a difference of character because of the work that God had done in their hearts. So Holy Spirit, we want the same thing. We want it for today. God, we know that you care about 21st century New England. We know that you care about 21st century India. And you want to reveal yourself to people in these places through your church, a church that is clothed with power, but that also walks responsibly in the character of God. Lord, set us free from the selfish ambition and bitter envy that plagues our souls, transform us from the inside out. Help us to take a sober look at the iceberg of our souls and what's underneath our motives and our words and our actions. Examine us once again, dear God, we pray. And in your mercy, because you love us, pour out your Holy Spirit afresh. Pour out your Holy Spirit afresh, we ask.